Here we go. Folks, this is your host Cameron Ivy of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. I was going to say, why didn't you actually like that? I don't the know. Way you you know what? Because peel into this thing. I just, you know, I like to peel in slowly. You, you know, know what the problem is? It's not Friday. It, it is isn't Friday. Friday. It's a it's a weird day for us, but um, really appreciate you taking the time to come on, John. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, no Jersey. Going back to Jersey, uh, I've I went there a, a couple times actually with my friend. His uh, family's from there. We mm. we went in high school a couple times. Stayed Where, with their family. And, uh, I couldn't tell you. To be honest with you, I, all I know <laughs> is near all I know near New York City, near Philly. Close enough, Those yeah, about yeah, an yeah. hour, about an hour from New York City. About an hour from New York City. Okay. We could, we could so take the train, yeah. we could take the train so you, in New York. you're in the good part then. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Roughly. And I realized, I learned something new there. I was like, oh, you can only turn right. Or, I'm sorry, you can only turn left. Wow. You can't turn jug right. Handles. Jug handles. And I don't, yeah. Jug yeah, I don't know what that's about, but I totally thought actually, that was interesting. Technically, you have to make three lefts to make a right is really what it is. <laughs> it's kind, kind, kind of, yeah. You have to veer right, make three lefts, yeah. Now it's we could, like one we of could those... get into why that actually is much more efficient than than any other system, um, but we could, we could, but we, could. But, but we I'm yeah. okay with that. We, we got time. Well, we're, we're, I, don't you know, uh, I, I don't know if that's this show. That's no? that's another show we're going to start up in like 2029. We'll that's we'll right. cover those topics out there. That's but another let's podcast. Let's let's do the thing. Sure. Yeah. Sure. All yeah. right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I am your host Cameron Ivy, and with me, as always, my friend and co-host, Mister. Gabe Gums. It's not Friday. It's, it's not, not Friday. Friday. No. But, it's good uh, to see you, though. I, I feel it bad. I feel like you. this is like my fault that it's not Friday. Like, I, did, I didn't know no, that was No, 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 no. We, we record on any day where we can, especially, you know, it's true. Look, our guests have tight schedules. We have tight schedules. Um, we try to keep it to Friday afternoons, largely because that's when a lot of schedules get a little a little looser. Um, hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, no, we'll, we, uh, we'll but we do have a great guest. As, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jonathan Sander, he is the security field CTO at Snowflake, and uh, we really, really appreciate you coming on. We're excited to talk with you. So thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. I'll let Gabe uh, start this one off since you guys are well, pretty close. You know each other. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sander and I go back a little ways. Yeah, we um, we share some histories, um, plural, um, some, some past <laughs> interactions. Uh, but actually... So we'll start, as we always do, by asking you to tell us about yourself. But before we do that, because the mm -hmm. listeners, actually, if they tuned in last week, would have heard us mention your name then. In the context That's right. That's of, how this all got started. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and so Dude, is that your way of tying – that's your way of forcing people on the show. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I just – that's it. I just dropped I the name. I'm like, so, you know <laughs> – I was talking about you last week. You can either come on and correct the record or let oh, the record no. stand. It's really your choice. Terrible. Do you want to clear the air for everyone or let them think what I thought? Uh, <laughs> but before I tie the two episodes together, why don't you start by answering the question we ask all our gals? Go ahead and tell us about yourself. Um, sure. So uh, current me, um, as Cameron said, I'm security field CTO at Snowflake. Um, what does that mean? Uh, well, uh, so Snowflake is this gigantic data platform in the cloud. It is the data cloud, my marketing folks would want me to say. Um, and, uh, and that is actually an excellent and accurate way to, to describe it. But right away, the words data and cloud make a lot of people nervous. Um, and so security, governance, privacy are topics that come very top of mind for all um, our customers, not only at the beginning, but also as they, you know, go through this uh, journey of putting more and more workloads into um, the platform. And so they often want to talk to a subject matter expert. Um, and uh, that used to be like, you know, me 
single. Um, <laughs> uh, but luckily, we've built a big team now that spans the whole globe uh, that does that. So it's not just me by myself. We have a whole team of security subject matter experts um, who help our customers understand the security posture of the platform, the governance features of the platform, the privacy implications of their actions, and anything related to that. Uh, my past is more just poor security. Poor. Oh, my God. Ooh, pure. Ooh, pure ooh, security ooh. is what I meant wow. to say. Well, I got uh, bad news for you. We don't wow. have an edit button on this show. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't have an edit button in this mouth. So there, there, there you true, are. That's true. I just have the I have the vocal equivalent of putting star in the next text and, like, putting the <laughs> – like, <laughs> putting what I meant to say, which was pure security, not poor security. There it is. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> wow. What more is there to say than that? I, I, th- I think I'm done with my intro. I think that was the. That was, I think that was the whole intro, especially since the well, one thing I usually throw in as an entertaining fact. I know you're about to bring up Gabe, so I'll, I'll let you do that. Yeah, I mean, if, if folks <laughs> were to pop their way over to your LinkedIn profile, the, yeah. your subheader reads uh, "philosophist turned technologist," which is indeed mm-hmm. how your your name came up last week. Um, so uh, our guest was uh, VP strategy at Tripwire. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was mentioning how so very many of the people, much like himself, that he knows in the security business have philosophy backgrounds. And he was hmm. he was uh, pondering why those things might be. Um, so how did you make that leap from philosopher to technologist and why? Well, I mean, the leap to technologist isn't interesting because it was the nineties. I needed a job. Mm. Bingo. Right. Like, you know, anyway, who needed a job in the nineties and English and had like, you know, a a brain could get a job in technology. I was, I started a tech support. It was not, not glamorous (laughs) at all. Right. But, but I do think though, that my transition into security had a great deal to do with the philosophy background because Mm -hmm. I mean, the the way I always think about security is that it's really just a matter of doing things thoughtfully, right? Mm. It's a matter of taking into account the big picture, if you're doing it well, right? I mean, you can make security a checkbox exercise, and, you know, um, I think for every company I've ever worked for, I've written a blog about how checkboxes are bad. Um, I haven't done it here yet, Snowflake yet, but they they haven't haven't wanted that. But uh, I've done that for every other company. And, uh, you know, but if you're doing risk-based thinking, right, if you're really thinking about what threats mean in the real world, and I mean, you know, to the, again, to the title of the program, if you're thinking about it in terms of something like privacy and how security can enforce and enhance privacy, that gets philosophical pretty quick, right? Uh, you, you, you get into big questions about, you know, what is the relationship of what this organization as a business does to our technical platform and what can it mean to put in policy that enact controls that achieve security goals, but don't hinder business goals. And, you know, now I start sounding like, you know, some kind of management course, but, uh, but, but I think you get what I'm saying. Like the, the philosophical aspects, I think drew me into the security world. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, I think there's a relationship there. That's, that's definitely the case. No, if, if, if the, uh, said another way, there are, there are a lot of big hairy questions in the security world. It's, hmm. it's certainly, you know, a lot of pontification goes on in our industry as to you know where we'll be next and kind of you know what what the the newest and next threats are et cetera. Uh, but but ultimately there are still just a lot of big questions out there to ponder just on on some of the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned you've never been asked to write a checkbox blog at Snowflake. But, right. Well, we don't we don't we don't sell security here, right? Like that's like you know it's it's a platform. Although there is a big security use case for Snowflake, but that's a different matter, right? It, 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 it's sort of orthogonal to sort of the checkbox concept, right? Yeah. You okay over there, Gabe? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, some, something I, happened over there. I saw that too. I mean, look, we can't if I told the sound. truth about what actually just happened, it would be very difficult to explain. So I'm just going to go ahead and just... I say we both be silent until he explains what happened now. That's the only possible move after a statement I'm like all that. ears. I'm all ears, Sam. We're, we're going to go with the pregnant pause because this no, is my game. No, no, no. That's okay. That's this okay. is my <laughs> It involves a water pick. Let's just leave it at that. 
Alrighty then. Involves Were you water. painting something? Mm, no. No? No. All right. no, we'll keep it Never moving. Never mind. We'll keep it moving. I was going to say, I'm right. less curious by the moment. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but checkbox security. So yeah. we, no shortage of guests have talked about the quote-unquote basics. Mm-hmm. Moving to the cloud has kind of introduced a whole lot of new basics, like mm-hmm. a whole lot of new basics. That, like there's, there's just so much like, no, before you even think about bringing your data to the cloud, you probably should do fill in the blank. Ooh. Well, can I, so so to to keep true to my philosophical background, I have to object to the nature of the question. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I, I mean, well, because you know, I mean, so as you were saying, right? Like, you know, it's introduced all these new basics. I mean, kind of. It's introduced a lot of new methods through which you mm. should enact best practices, but the best practices really don't change that much, right? Um, if anything, what's interesting to me, right? You know, if I was going to fill in that blank, you know. Before you move your data to the cloud, you should absolutely blank, right? Mm. You should absolutely gain an understanding of what's already there in mm-hmm. terms of the basics, in terms of what can be done to secure platforms. I, I meet a lot of people who spend a great deal of time delving into a lot of details about how the cloud providers run their infrastructure, for example. And fair enough, you want to know, right? Now, first of all, it's all written down, so it's actually, it's kind of right. easy to talk about it. It's all there, right? Um, but, you know, for those who are taking this very seriously, what they find is that the cloud providers, just because it would be a business-ending problem if they had the same kind of gap that an organization right. could have in their own data center and survive, they're doing more every day, every second to do good security practice than most organizations have ever been able to achieve. And I think the the, the false premise that a lot of people have when they question cloud security is that like, you know, oh, well, you know, our security was so awesome and I'm handing this over to site. How do I know they're doing it? Come on. Really? Was it like 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 were were you really doing better than AWS is probably doing? Were you really doing better than Azure, you, you know GCP? Like really, you're, you're you really think your program was better than theirs? Now, I deal with some of the largest multinational, global, complex organizations on earth, and some of them might have a point, right? But I mean, that's a single digit percentage, and it's not a big one. Yeah. <laughs> right? So like, uh, you know, I think a yeah. lot of organizations that question cloud security on the premise that somehow these gigantic vendors who have all these resources who focus on nothing else but running this stuff um, and doing that in an excellent fashion are going to have poor results. Um, is it going to be perfect? No, nothing's zero risk. Like get anyone who says it's, you know, I mean, I go, I always go back to that, you know, the Larry, the famous Larry Ellison, right? The unbreakable, like, no, like, no, of course not. That's silly. Right. But, um, but it's not, it, it's going to be substantially better than what, the 98th percentile of most organizations would be able to achieve, right? So that should be the baseline. <laughs> they start mm-hmm. thinking about it, right? That's generous, 98%. And I'm not even being facetious here. That's super freaking generous. Like, even of the multinational billion dollar, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Like, I've worked with a number of them also, and some of them, and I won't call any names because that's just. Uh, oh, no, I'm, we I'm definitely won't do that. I'll have to hang yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm certainly not ashamed. <laughs> well, look, these are people. These are these are my colleagues who legitimately are are busting up to to protect things too. But yeah, then there's just a. <clears throat> but I remember making the. I, I had this running joke uh, about one organization in particular who, who I audited, and I thought that their security was so bad, but that the only reason they hadn't been hacked was because there was already there was already an intruder inside that closed most of the doors behind them. Like that, they, they had performed the security on their behalf. Like the, they, they had some very sophisticated adversaries that were just keeping everyone else out. It was fabulous. I was like, ah, oh, this is such a hot well, mess. That's, well, that's like, like those, uh, those uh, symbiotic parasites, right? Like, you know, yes. like there are organisms yes. that have very poor immune systems that have really aggressive parasites that keep them alive. So it's like, 
this is my host. Like you, this is you my can't, host. Yes. You, you can't come in here and make this. No, thing. no. that's my job. Um, only, I'm yeah, there's only one blood sucker. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly right. So ninety-eight percent is is that's just generous. I'd I'd have given it uh, quite a bit more. Yeah. Um, well, well, we're you know, in the topic the, of blogs, the other, though. Mm. Well, you know, I'm going to give you the yeah, other yeah, half of that answer, though, too. Um, by the way, Cameron, you were worried about me not to say, I'll apologize. To this <laughs> you might not get a word in it twice. Um, but, uh, <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay <laughs> with that. If you've listened to the show before, you'll know. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't usually get a word in any way until about halfway through. I kind of feel bad, guys. Just sit there. But, um, but as I said, the other half of that answer, right, you know, the, the blank, right? All right? If I fill in the blank now, if, if we... If, if, let's say we magically have already inculcated the whole world in this idea that you know the cloud is going to give you better security results as a baseline to start with, right? Well, then what should you do, right? Um, and, you know, in, in, in you know cloud world, we talk about shared responsibility models all the time, right? And you know, right. the, the, what we just talked about is really the provider's half of the cloud, the, the, the shared responsibility model. The thing I think that makes some people uncomfortable is that. It kind of puts a spotlight on all of these things that were easy to ignore in a lot of ways before cloud, right? If you had a really poor practice around identity access management, but your security group just spent all their time on network security, they couldn't really be blamed for doing nothing, right? But at the same time, you could point mm. to the fact that, you know, most breaches are not network stuff these days. It's going to be, you know, patching and passwords, right? Um, passwords being, you know, the, the bane of identity access management programs. The thing is that the cloud sort of throws this huge spotlight on, well, okay, so now your responsibility is all of this stuff that, you may not have even considered traditional security work in a lot of organizations. Right, right. Right? And um, so, you know, before you consider putting your data in the cloud, take a good look, hard look in the mirror, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to, how to, like, what's the phrase <laughs> that you put there? But, um, you know, and again, well, actually, most customers are, are, are already thinking these things because, you know, the last 10 years have been such a land, you know, such a minefield mm -hmm. of, of, of problems related to all of this that they're, you know, that they've, <laughs> they've been forced to. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, that, that spotlight is interesting once uh, once you realize that you're part of the responsibility of these things that you may not be paying as much attention to in other parts of the world. You just made a point that I don't know that I've really thought about or considered, at least not kind of in a forefront of the lobe there, which is, Ooh. let's say you, as an organization, you have spent all of your time worrying about um, the types of security controls that once you move to the cloud are mostly not your responsibility any longer, but you spent such an outsized amount of time getting good at those things. You didn't, you didn't get good at the other stuff. What do now? Like, so now you're in the cloud. Now those yeah. things are your responsibility. Yeah. It's yeah. like, huh, I don't, I don't really know how to perform any data access governance. Like, how do I? How do I know what sensitive data? I've, I've been too busy That's doing right. all of these other things. Well, and, 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 and you know, in, in the defense of the organizations, it might sound like we're trashing right now. Um, it's not that no one's doing those things in those organizations, just not the security team, right? right. You'll find that a lot of this stuff has been lumped onto the business, and um, which is why it's like sort of really interesting. I mean, Gabe, you and I have been you know down this road you know with data access governance and stuff. But a lot of times. It's the business buying this, or you know, the the BSO, right? The business information yeah. security officer, or even the the application folks, right? Because they're the ones saddled with these problems, and it's out of their budget that the solutions then come, right? Infrastructure um, and operations that, teams, <clears throat> identity teams. Yeah, no. Why is that though? Well, because again, it's it it, it relates to that shared responsibility model, but. It, the way it's enacted if you're not in the cloud to a certain extent. Because imagine you're responsible for soup to nuts, right? It's your data center. It's your silicone. It's your, you know, wires, right? It's the whole thing. Your mm -hmm. security group often will focus on those lower-level things that the cloud providers, right, Snowflake included, right, they, they take care of all these things, right? Like, that's, mm -hmm. that's not stuff that you need to be concerned about. Now, 
Should you be concerned about auditing it up front because everybody should do good hygiene and make sure that they you know, read the SOC 2? Of course, yes. But like on an ongoing – once you've accepted that you're going to go to this platform, it's on rails, right? It's, it's sort of like you know whatever risk there is, you're accepting it. Right at that point, right? right? <clears throat> and then <laughs> you, you have to do the other stuff, right? Now, in the on-prem world, right, the security team is off doing the stuff that the cloud service provider might be doing, right, in, in, in tandem with operations, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the business is then sort of left to their own devices in a lot of cases to do um, other things that, you know, would fall into a broader security umbrella to people like us. Um, but when you're just, you know, divvying out tasks and trying to get through, you know, the next quarter, somebody's got to do it. And oftentimes it's the business who ends up picking up the slack there. Yeah. We were going to touch a bit on, uh, so we were, we were in, in the blogosphere territory and you mm. do do a lot of writing. Um, I mean, I, if someone had told me how much actual writing there would be, in technology and security, I might have told him to bugger off. Like, legitimately, I might have told him, like, no, 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 no. Not what I signed up for. But from as early as, you know, being a pen tester, it's like, I try to have to write a report for this. And it has to it has to make sense at all levels, to business people, to security folks. Like, there is an ungodly amount of writing. Yep. And, and, and so you still do do quite a bit of writing. And mm-hmm. one of those is a recent blog post that uh, I did want to bring to our readers, our, our listeners' attention, um, the journey to processing PII in the data cloud. Yeah. Um, the data cloud, you're referring, obviously, to, to Snowflake, but this yeah. one I'm sure could, could extrapolate this out. And we, we were talking again about journeys. Like, if you were... Mm-hmm. Just thinking about getting to the cloud, like what are those things that um, you would start considering? Um, but then there's equally, what are the challenges of moving workloads to the cloud and so forth? Why don't you start by just giving us a high level of what what the blog kind of focused on and yeah. some of the, the yeah. So, uh, so it's interesting. I think we, we sort of organically already came to one of the big first challenges, which is just, you know, people – Hear the notion of putting data in the cloud, especially sensitive information contents, right, in the cloud. And they just like, that's absurd. Why would I do that? That's, that just sounds like a bad idea, right? Oh, this, you know, right on the, um, and, and I think that's because of everything we just discussed, right? They have this sort of false premise of, about the baseline of security um, in the cloud itself, right? And by the way, some of that's also encouraged by the fact that a lot of times the only experience organizations have had with cloud so far is cloud was a playground for developers, mm-hmm. right? With mm-hmm. zero controls and, you know, many poor judgments were made and, you know, you know, yes, data was harmed in the filming of this development, you know, uh, environment, right? Um, and, right. And so, you know, if that's your impression of the cloud, right, then, you know, you have, you have, a, again, that just encourages the false premise, but you know, that's, that's sort of one challenge, and, and there's not much you can do about that except to try to like you know show that like well no that's not really how this works. Um, but then you know I, I think uh, the other challenges can all sort of be rolled up into the idea that even in traditional sort of on-prem systems, dealing with sensitive information has a lot of responsibilities that you have to meet, right? Um, Ever increasing, ever increasing, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And and what I often, one thing I often, you know, say to people is that you know don't forget there's people in that information, right? Like you know, because I think a lot of times people get <laughs> just kind of get exhausted um, trying to enact all the right protections and policies. And to me, I try to make it a thing about empathy, um, which you know, uh, you know, I don't know how many times you talk about empathy on this show, but I. I try to think about empathy a lot and, you know, to me, worrying about privacy, worrying about security, worrying, worrying about governance is really about worrying about the people that could be affected if you do it poorly. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that said, with that motivation, lots of people have done lots of things on prem to put these controls in place. And a lot of times it's messy, right? It's very, very messy. Um, and it also takes advantage of the fact that they can sort of jury rig things since they control things at a very low level. Um, so they can sort of cross, um, levels to make 
different controls enacted in almost silly ways, I, I would say. Um, yeah. The cloud takes away a lot of those tools, right? The cloud, you can't go down and, like, you know, put some memory-level control. You, just, you can't. Like, you don't have that capability. You can't put an agent on every server that scans everything. Like, you, you can't. Like, it's just literally a cannot thing. It's not a, it's not a should not thing. It's not a will not thing. It's a cannot thing. Um, and so what it does is it actually forces people to rethink a lot of the technical control frameworks. And, you know, and, and partially that bounces right back on the vendor, Right, because they're going to say, "Well, we did this crazy Rube Goldberg machine to do like you know masking for information. Like you know, how are you going to do that crazy thing?" And you know, it's our responsibility to give them the capabilities, right, that, that actually allow them to achieve the same goal, you know, without the mousetrap, uh, right? And uh, that's that's definitely a challenge, right? Because you obviously see varying capabilities there. I think this is where I'm supposed to say, and Snowflake has all the right features, right? Um, but, you know, regardless, uh, you know, you, you know regard, you insert your cloud here, you're going to see varying amounts of support for, you know, those right capabilities. And then finally, in a related note, if you step away from the technical, there's also a lot of people in process elements to protecting all of this, which have been molded around these crazy technical controls and really specific systems. And mm -hmm. again, right. Adapting that to a new cloud reality, it can be challenging. And that's not something the, the vendor can always help with, right? Because that becomes a process thing, right? I mean, basically you get people to say, well, this piece of paper says that I, I have to do this thing where I check this box in the system that says a thing. And, do, do you have that system? It's like, well, no, that's running on like somebody's Linux box in your data center in Tampa. I, I like, no, we don't have that system. Like, like, like that's the thing you built, right? Like, how, how I can't emulate that for you. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so sometimes it's a matter of working through policy changes. I mean, it's almost like a legislative thing in a sense, right? Like you're, you're, you're changing the law of the land where the land is the organization that has the information, right? Um, and those are big challenges, right? And some of them you can meet with technology, right? Um, some of them are a matter of understanding that, you know, maybe the policy was formed under very, you know, <laughs> conditions of duress, um, that you might not have if you did things <laughs> from the ground up with, uh, you know, a, a, a better, more capable system, right? Um, and uh, the thing I always want to do, though, you know, I, I, I call this, uh, there's lots of ways you can break into jail. Um, and some, some, sometimes it's a good idea to do that, and sometimes it's not. Um, but it is a great idea to break into jail in terms of making customers aware of this type of thing, right? Even if it mm. slows down momentum up front, um, longer term, they're going to have a better experience um, overall, right? Uh, you know, that's that's something that you know, the, the group I'm part of, we do that a lot for our customers, is making sure they think about this, um, you know, not forget the people, think about these things up front, protect that information to protect those people, and therefore, you know, get better results for everyone, for everyone involved, yeah. you know? To answer your question, Empathy actually does come up a fair amount on the show, hmm. largely because we are a show about both security and privacy. And and yes, we too uh, privacy, are yeah, strong more, more, more empathy, more yeah. empathy involved in privacy than like hardcore security. Yeah, quite yeah. necessary. And and I think that that the collision of the two is 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 a good thing for that reason. Hmm. There is there's a distinct lack of empathy. Um, in a lot of, and man, I know I feel like I do this all the time when they show to my security bros. Sorry, security bros. Still don't at me, though. <laughs> don't bother freaking at me. Don't do it. Not responded. <clears throat> um, but yeah, bringing a bit more empathy to, uh, to, to the security world. Mm. Part of that is because we, we got, we as in security professionals, we took the brunt of everyone's abuse for a long time. And so, like, oh, empathy oh, got yeah. beaten out of us to some degree. Like, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to go protect this thing because you're going to come slap me around anyway if this doesn't happen, right? Like, there was a whole mm -hmm. lot of that. So, like, you develop this hard, outer, crunchy shell. And then and then people got all salty when we said no. And then you're like, well, you're the department of no. Well, you're the department of, of any time I did anything wrong, you, you beat me. So That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's how this happened. Um, and in fact, in, when, when talking to our last guest, because uh, that gentleman, much like yourself and I, 
<clears throat> kind of product people at heart as well, you mm-hmm. start intertwining product people with security people and like that empathy just grows, like it swells because you, you have to have it. If you don't have it, it uh, there's a significant impact to actual real human beings out there that may or may not be people you know and or love um, or someone else out there has the responsibility of taking care of those people that you may or may not <clears throat> know or love. So empathy does indeed um, raise its pretty little head on this show quite often. So it's always nice that when, when that kind of comes out organically. Hmm. Uh, well, it's easy to get behind too. I mean, being in you the, would hope being, it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, as a human being <laughs> that cares, you would think so. Now I'm going to quote a show. It's called mythic quest. Mm. If anybody's ever seen it, I have, Oh my God. Well, basically I forget the main character's name. He's from sunny in Philadelphia, but he basically says, it's when they get hacked into, and he says, mm-hmm. nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about their privacy. Everybody cares about a good story. Yeah. <laughs> and, love good story. Uh, but it's, that's kind of, I mean, it's not true, but no. everybody does care about a good story, especially to your, to your customers, too. And to get them to think about that, uh, Sander, that's, that's so true, um, because... Are there any good empathy stories you tell or uh, Ooh, yeah, feel or imagine? Real or imagined? <laughs> He's like, hey, make up a story for me. Like, uh, can, Look, you, can, you, can you just make something up right now? I'm going to share something that I'm sure some people may or may not have already known. But sometimes a healthy amount of uh, embellishment when, when storytelling is necessary. Like, there was no actual like, any grim tale or 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 uh, is that know. where Shrek came from? Yes, or or okay. or a CC, uh, you know, Shrek's tales. not real. Like, Wait, the whole world. <laughs> Right, it's all lies. Everything's falling apart. There's like apart. four of them. Yeah, like oh, so, sometimes you sometimes you've got to you, you got to spin a little yarn so that you could get the point across, right? Like you know, um, you I spin, mean, Puss in Boots spin. isn't real either. Oh. Well, well, I so, mean, so it's funny. The only times I can recall empathy coming up in customer situations are mostly negative. And I mean, what I mean to say that, what I mean by that, to be clear, is it usually came up in like a shaming context. Right, mm. like where people were so far off. I mean, I'm trying to think, can I can I tell this story without like, <laughs> it, it, you know, indemnifying <laughs> anyone? So I, I can recall we were working with a hospital system. Actually, this is pretty safe because it wasn't the customer who got shamed in this case. It was actually one of the people that I worked with, um, which now of course narrows it down to a couple hundred humans, but still, like you know. Um, you may or may not have worked with. They well, no, no, I did. I did. I'm not going to ask No, I, I did work with them. It was, it was clear. Um, and basically, you know, the customer was asking. It was a health system. I don't know if I said that or not. And you know, the customer was asking for all of these enhancements, right? Mm. Um, and it was frustrating for the technical person. And I had to point out to them, like, okay, but you understand why they're asking, right? Like, you understand what this customer yeah. does, right? Like, you understand, like, what what's at stake if they expose information in particular, right? Like, you, you like you get what the, you know, connected to that, man. Like, in that. Yeah. And, and to their credit, by the way, immediately it, like, changed Light bulb went their off, mentality. Yeah. Like, you know, they're like, oh, my God, wow, you're... You're right. They're not just like, you know, some greedy hedge fund trying to make, you know, an extra, you know, 2%. They're like, oh, I, I get it. Right? You know, here's the thing. Even if they are, there's some real pensioner behind that information though, right? Like there's, there's some, there's some school teacher in California who's, who's, whose pension is tied up in, in that investment that they didn't know about. And so Gabe, Gabe you're more empathetic than I am. Let's put it that way. Let's, 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 I'll, I'll stand by my example of you. Right. No, but, uh, no, but, no, but you're right. There are, there are people in all of that data, right? Like, yeah, you know, regardless yeah. of who's got it, it's just obviously a little bit more, um, easy to see in the health system. Right. Um, no, it's but, true. But there's, there's true. people in it's all true. the data, you know. I sp- I spent some time in the employee of uh, what some might call the man, you know, a, a mm. large pharmaceutical company, and and even in, during that time, I was I was very aware of the fact that regardless of what you thought of the organization, and there were no shortage of, of people today, especially given the, the climate, that don't necessarily think the, the you know the highest of them. There's a lot of real people that are affected by uh, the products that they make, and so. Mm. If if you don't have that that due care in those things, like think what you may that this 
there's someone there's someone behind that. But um, empathy, we'll, uh, we'll 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 save we'll save another show where where we just dive just pure just nothing well, but empathy. We're still on that topic though, Sander. While we got yeah. you, and while we're there, yeah, let's stay on this chapter. What what does privacy mean to you personally? Like when you hear privacy, mm. you know this is privacy, please, but. When you hear that, and obviously that's a big thing, I'm sure, with your customers. Now, what does it mean to you, and how do you get behind that passionately? So I'd be dishonest if I didn't say that the first thing that comes to mind when I hear privacy is like a morass of laws, right? Like you, mm. usually when I hear, oh, we need to have a privacy conversation, like it's it's not like a fun thing that we're going to do. We're, we're you know, some... <laughs> Some wonk is going to be there with, like, you know, like, you know, well, you see, in, in section five and subsection, like, it's, it's going to be, like, you know, it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be really, right. really hard, right? So I, I, I got to get that off my chest right away. Like, I, I can't, I can't That's fair. be dishonest if I didn't say that. You are, you, you are um, aware that not less than 60% of our audience are privacy professionals. I, I get that. I, and, at and, him, you know, that's, at Jonathan Sander, don't <laughs> at me. Right? That's right. At Jonathan Sander. You won't find me there, but I, I pity that poor person, whoever they are. Um, that's not me. But, um, you know, go ahead and add them with all your complaints. That would be perfect. Um, you know, but, I, I mean, that's just, just being honest, right? Like, you know, that, that's what I – No, what you're I, not wrong. That's you're the not first wrong, thing obviously. that comes to yeah, mind. Yeah. Now, but that said, right, like – if if I go a layer beyond that, right, when I when I show up to a privacy conversation and it's not that, right, when it's more of a exploratory, like how do we achieve these lofty goals, right? How do we protect these people and what they are trying to do? Um, I mean, you know, it tickles the philosophical bone uh, pretty um, heavily, right? So mm. I, I think uh, you know. I can stay interested and, you know, the word passionate is always tough for me, but that's probably a whole other show to talk about that. But, um, the, you know, to, I can stay pretty engaged in a privacy conversation because of the philosophical nature of it. Um, I also feel like the interesting thing about privacy today, having both a millennial and a Gen Z child, I have one of each, um, you might notice. I understand. I uh, understand. They're a little older than those pictures show. Um, but uh, it, it, it's interesting to me to see the warping and plastic nature of what privacy is in personal spheres, right? Um, that's also deeply interesting, right? Now, yeah. It doesn't really touch my professional life that much, right? Um, that aspect of it, anyway. Um, but I do, you know, like around the dinner table, and, you know, we are a bizarre family. We actually eat meals together very, very often, um, which is, like, you know, ex statistically apparently very exceptional these days. I still don't um, understand that either, like, because... What do? Yeah, anyway, that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but like you know, around the dinner table, we have conversations that touch on privacy a lot, right? right. Um, Interesting. And uh, you know, as as could be imagined, my my kids are also you know warped, weird, and philosophical. Um, you know, apples, trees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, benign neglect. I mean, having met your family, I happen to think they're perfectly normal, but. Well, but, again, but, but that's coming from you, so what does that really mean? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the problem, really. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's not that's, a very it's good... It's literally uh, the problem. Yeah, yeah no, it's, yeah, it's straight yeah. lines. Yeah. All true. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was a pretty good pause. Um, there it but, is. But, but I guess, I guess, Kevin, I don't know if I really answered your question, frankly, right? Like, you know, it, No, I think you did. You, you answered it differently than anybody's ever answered it before, and I appreciate it. I have a penchant for doing that. Um, yeah, so no, does. I think it's great. Um, and that's the whole point of the question. I just want to get, you know, I want to get inside your brain and know what you're, what you're kind of thinking mm, uh, on that. Scary. It's scary in there. Yeah, it is scary in there. It can, it can. And you know what? It's gotten scarier because of the pandemic. 
Yeah. Being oh, stuck my. at home alone, you're getting too comfortable in there. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know if comfortable yeah, yeah. is the right word. Oh, my God. No, it's not. Oh, maybe but, I yeah. am, and I'm getting too comfortable. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's sort of a weird cocktail of um, comfort, yes, to some degree, and and complete, like, stir, stir. I mean, stir, crazy feels like too gentle a word, like stir in Too easy, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Stir, you know, it's, 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 it's bizarre. <laughs> Right, and we had that would little window. As... We had that little window, right? <sighs> July, August, right? We had that little window of like, oh no, it's going to be. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, did no, we learn not. anything from the Black Plague? Anything at all? Nope. Humans are still the, still the same. They still did do a lot learn, of the same things. Well, Santiana always says that you know those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, I don't know that I don't know if anyone else can be uh, can take credit for this. But since I read Santiana, my, the Sander corollary to that is even those who learn from history are surrounded by those doomed to repeat it. Um, that, so, that's also true. <laughs> that is true. So you know. You know, did some of us learn? I'm sure, yes. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, you you know, know, the the Black Plague at least had the benefit of, like, spurring the Industrial Revolution to a large degree. Um, I don't mm. I don't know that... I don't really know that this plague can can really take credit for anything, really. So, we'll see. It, you know what? I have a question seen. for you guys. Mm. That, that brings up a question. Would you have rather been in the 13, 1400s? Actually, I mean, that's probably not a good question because yeah. that's probably the worst time to no. be alive. <laughs> Like yeah, that was the that was the worst time to be alive. But let's let's like that. skip ahead at least. Let's skip ahead when there still wasn't technology and there is technology. Would you rather be in a time and era where you didn't have as much no that you do now? Mm. Does that make sense? No, definitely still no. You would still rather know more than you should know. Well, see, so, but I guess that that's should. That's a really interesting word to use there, right? Like you know, more than you should know. I mean. You can't <laughs> – so those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it makes sense because we all know that people won't necessarily process and absorb information even if they're given it, right? They're given the history. Mm -hmm. right? They don't learn from it. Therefore, they repeat it, right? Mm -hmm. And it also assumes the opposite must be true, that if you That's did a great point. Yes. learn from yes. it, yes. 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 you yes. wouldn't repeat it. Now – what is interesting, right, um, and this is going to feel like a marketing move, but it is earnestly what came to mind. <laughs> if you think Brought about the of data that we have today, right, I think a really interesting question to ask in 30 years, are we going to learn more from having that much data? Like, we're definitely making different choices because we're exposed to this much information. And, I'm not, and that goes from, I think, Cameron, to the spirit of your point, on an individual level, people are making different choices given all this information, but even just organizations are making different choices, governments mm -hmm. are making different choices, um, federations. I mean, I don't know how you want to, how many ways, how many levels you want to build it up, but you know, the the amount of data we have means that you can make different choices based on that. Does that mean we're really learning, and does that mean we'll change things for the better as a result? Time will tell, right? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. right? It's not, you, you're not able to, to see that in while you're in it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, people who say they can, well, be careful of those people. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good we point. We touched on this in the last show also just a little bit, right? Um, we, we talked about uh, Daniel Kellerman's book and, and the, uh, the, the bias of intuition um, because to your uh, point about the inverse of that statement being true, we assume that if you know things, you might, well, know things. Right. But mm -hmm. to know things isn't always to know things, is it? <laughs> no, no, yeah. Thinking fast, thinking slow, I assume. Yes, thinking about, that's right? the book. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's the book. It, it, and see, but what, what's interesting, though, is that I, I think what Kahneman and, and, and that whole group of thinkers is really focused on is our ability to properly process information, right? So what they're saying works even in the 1300s level of the information you have, right? Like, <laughs> like you, yeah. you, you could have the challenges that they're talking about with very little information. I, I, I think it gets more interesting and to my knowledge, 
they've not written about this, but you know, maybe maybe I'm just not keeping up. Um, ironically, just given the topic, but um, <laughs> you know, but you know, what does it mean? Not only to have to process things correctly, to know when you can be fast and know when you can be slow in how you make your judgments and which one is more effective given the circumstance, but also to know when more information is going to help and when it won't, right? I mean, it's kind of interesting to me. I mean, so I sit in on a lot of conversations about gigantic data issues um, because we'll do these large day-long sessions where security is a part of it um, and security questions come up during the, you know, during other pieces. So I stick around um, and I multitask, but I listen too. And what's interesting to me, a lot of times, you know, sometimes I'll pause and really listen to when they talk about machine learning and how a lot of it is being used to eliminate things. Right where the the real point for them is to cut down the amount of information to get to relevancy, and then the relevancy leads to the real insights, right? And you know you would think just pouring more information into it would would get you better results, but that's not always the case, right? I mean, a lot of times they have more information than they know what to do with, um, and sorting out what's relevant. And also, you know, to the point of this thing, what, what they can actually use in those circumstances and still maintain their obligations from a privacy point of view, from a compliance point of view, right? These are the real tricks, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's uh, sometimes about sometimes it's about eliminating the amount of information in order to make mm-hmm. better decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. remediation. Is there a big philosophical data question in there about, it's like that blog of yours um, does Mm -hmm. talk quite a bit about knowing your data, right? Like understanding Mm. your data before, yeah, moving to, is there, is there a big philosophical question there about like, is there, can you know too much about your data? Is that a thing? Ooh, can you have too much metadata? Ooh. Um, I have to say, Gabe, something I've never thought about, frankly. I, I don't, I don't think you can. Given, like you know, speaking of thinking fast and slow, my fast response is I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can have too much metadata. Um, but of course, I say that in a world where typically we're suffering from a gross lack of metadata, oh, yeah. right? Like yeah. metadata is usually much harder right, to come right, by, right? right? Um, I mean, you know, you work with, you know, I mean, well. With all due deference to our sponsor, right? You work with uh, you, you work with automated systems that can produce metadata, right, and tell you something about what's going on, and that's valuable. I can't imagine having too much of that. Um, but then, you know, the other part of it, I think that's even that's much more challenging, is you work with um, systems that are you know like catalogs, right, where humans need to curate information to produce metadata. Um, and of course, now the human element enters, uh, and, and you know you, you, that's usually a desert, right? You can't automate a, a great deal of that, unfortunately, because it's literally about the human factor there. Um, so I don't think you can ever have too much of that kind of data. No, like metadata. No. Um, if anything, because that's actually what will help you understand, in some part, what information is actually relevant. I mean, to the to the direct question being asked in the blog, right? It's about moving sensitive information into the cloud. Well, do you know what's sensitive? <laughs> like, right. like, do you right, actually right, have right, right. a a a true register of this is sensitive, <clears throat> right? And this is not sensitive. And you know, and, and sometimes, like you know, people hear that question and they go, "Well, of course, I know, I know what sensitive means." And then you start asking questions like, okay, well, do you know all the legal frameworks that your organization is party to? And do you know all the contracts that you've signed and you know where you've decided to make promises about certain information contents that may not feel sensitive to you on first blush? Do you know about competitive threats where, you know, if they got your hands on certain kinds of information that could actually harm you from a competitive point of view. And then 
you know, take all that and say, okay, fine, great. So now I have a longer list, but I know how to find it. Really? Ever heard of freeform text? Um, and then, you know, the whole thing explodes. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and, and so, you know, it, it's hard to imagine that there would be too much metadata, right? Uh, um, and, you know, given, given the kind of problems that people are trying to tackle with this stuff. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it much before this conversation myself, and now my brain is equally kind of running in a few directions. Yeah, where yeah, you yeah, mentioned me AI also. Yeah. Like if you were building an expert system, right, like an well, AI well, hold system. Hold on. No, no, time out. I mentioned machine learning. You'll never hear me yes. talking about AI. I, we, mm. we, have, we, we haven't even defined human intelligence. Um, like, you know, we can't even do artificial intelligence. <laughs> that, that's my philosophical background, having a real, like, grudge <laughs> against my current technological brethren. Like... Dude, like we, like, we can't even define consciousness. You're going to talk about artificial intelligence? Like, you know, anyway, that's could literally well, run I, a that's whole why, show That's on. why I appreciate the word artificial <laughs> in front of the word intelligence, right? Like, because I think that, I think that sets the stage. Yeah. If we could only, if, yeah, only like, if we can say that it's all artificial intelligence, then. And then, then if we can agree to that, then that's... <laughs> This is also I can jump off from there. I can jump off from that point. Yes, because if if you had, for example, um, you know, sequestered me from birth in some environment where I was not exposed to to information that was otherwise readily available to everyone else, yeah, you mm. could argue that that my intelligence was was artificial in that sense. Um, in which case, everyone's is because of context and and lived experiences, right? So you you could make that again philosophical argument. Um, Cameron, is this where we tell him about the box that he's been in? Is that is, is, is today the day we let him out of the box? I am comfortable <laughs> right where I'm at. Don't go. Don't, don't. Going back to the pandemic, right? We're all hit boxes. Don't go ruining it. Don't go ruining it. No, no, no. I was going to end on the following though, because expert systems, AI systems, but expert systems, which are AI systems, mm. who and their jobs are to to try and emulate um, human decision making, right? But based mm -hmm. on like a large body of knowledge, I'm yeah. not familiar with whether or not those things kind of hit the same human limits of, you know, analysis paralysis, in which case too much metadata for human beings becomes a problem, but too much metadata for technology. I think you're right. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't, I don't know if that is too much of a problem, especially for an expert system. Well, but it's all, it's all a matter of, you know, humans still wrote the code, right? So at some, yeah, at some, at some right? point it all comes yeah. back to our foibles, yeah. right? But, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. but, um, but yeah, it, it, it's an, it, they're always going to be better than us at certain things. And, yeah. you know, I think what we're discovering now, like the, the actual bleeding edge of technology right now is discovering, given the vast amounts of information we have, given expert systems, I like that phrase, what what is the limits that we can push them to? to achieve goals, including, by the way, security, governance, privacy goals. Like, people are definitely applying those things in these fields as well, right? Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. yeah. Sandra, I don't think there can be a limit because it's forever growing and changing. Oh, right? oh, but, yeah. oh, but I, 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 would say, I, would, I would say that there's – I, I guess when I say a limit, right, maybe it's good to point out what I mean by that is there are certain domains – at least, and this is a belief. I can't – back this up with a, you know, a, a completely logically infallible proof, but I believe that there will be certain domains that humans will just always have the advantage cognitively. Um, simply because, you know, if you think about it, our system has been being trained on literally the entire data set available, i.e. the actual universe, um, for arguably you know, a couple Bloody, billion yeah. years, depending on your belief systems. Um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's pretty hard to beat that with something we invented in, you know, the aughts, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, but that said, the thing we invented in the aughts is pretty good at doing things that the system we have up here is just not very good at, um, actually, with due deference to Mr. Kahneman and thinking fast and thinking slow again, right? I think, mm -hmm. I think yeah. they point out a lot of things that we're bad at. Right, but I know you already said you wanted to end this, and, and as it as it was it where I know you know me, I could go on forever. So um, I, I want if that was if that was your offer, well, we I don't I don't want to derail. We, really we can't go anywhere without getting deep into the privacy okay. part of this show. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh -oh. okay. Well, I mean, I you know, warned. we can. You this can, This is definitely going to be part one because we're going to have to do another. Yeah, we got to bring multiple. Back. I'm yeah, sure yeah, we got to bring more conversations. Back, for sure, for sure. I mean, we already we already hit on like four or five different other podcast episodes that we can dive into. 
on this on this entire conversation. But we can wrap it up there. But I will ask you this: Is there anything mm-hmm. that we've talked about today that we didn't bring up that you'd love to bring up on this episode before we do the the fun questions? Ooh. Um, I think it gives me far too much credit to imagine I think that far ahead. Um, so I'll say no. All right. It's, 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 it's a bit of a very interesting conversation. So, yeah. Fantastic. Indeed. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's have some fun questions and learn a little bit more about you. Sure. All right. So you're kidnapped. Ooh, okay. Okay. Starting off hot. Okay. <laughs> that's coming and, uh, hot. Yeah, that's pretty hot. And the, the, the people coming to save you is the cast of the last TV show that you watched. Who's, who's coming to save you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're screwed, aren't you? <laughs> no, actually, I couldn't. I literally couldn't ask for both the best and the worst. So right now, my, my 16-year-old daughter and I are watching Hannibal together. Nice. Interesting. So in one sense... Yeah. FBI, like special investigators, yeah. perfect. In the other sense, Hannibal Lecter. Not so sure I want Hannibal Lecter coming <laughs> to so like, intelligent it's like, oh, well, it depends on his motivation. Yeah. Why is he coming to find me? Like maybe I'm like, you know, That's so true. Uh, that you know, it could, it could really cut either way. Now if he's coming with cut. the FBI, I'm fine. Either way. Yo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, 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 uh, we're, uh, yes. Yeah. See what you do there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice, Gabe. <laughs> It's not wow. even Friday. You're thinking on your feet. I'm here all week, gentlemen. I'm here. <laughs> um, now, this question's fun. Mm-hmm. How would you How would you explain the color yellow to a blind person? I mean, why would I explain the color? <laughs> um, we don't have to go down that road, Sander. Okay. Well, he is I, a philosopher. You have say, to excuse like, him. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I was trained to ask, why do you want fries with that? But no, um, right. <laughs> when I explain the color yellow to a blind person, I would I would probably put it in terms of heat and say that it is not as hot as fire, which you should relate to red, but it is definitely warmer than, you know, plant life, which is green, and, you know, that, that, that sort of nice heat you get from the sun, you know, when it's nice, that's yellow, mm. which mm-hmm. actually kind of is, right? So I guess it's yeah. like, you know, with no other references, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Like a nice mm-hmm. Jersey 70-degree day, no clouds in the sky. Yeah. 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 Clearly red is Everybody the Everybody turning left three tomato, times before you turn yeah, right. A nice August red Jersey tomato, the taste of it. So that's, that's good right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. I like it. All right. Um, okay. What is one application on your phone mm-hmm. that you have to use, mm-hmm. but you absolutely dislike? We can't say Microsoft Teams, by the way. <laughs> okay. What if that was my answer? <laughs> um, it still can be if you'd like. I am, I am too easy. honestly, I'm really Spartan about what I have installed on my phone. And most everything on there is like okay. Um, oh no! Ah, uh-huh. there it Go is. On. Go on. I, and I know this is heresy <laughs> in the security community, but like you know, I have a bunch of you know mostly colleagues through work, and they only communicate using Signal, and. You know, I see the security advantages and privacy advantages of using Signal, but oh my God, somebody please get them a better product manager. Like, just like basic stuff, like just so bad about like how like the you, app functions. We only got group chat like six months ago, maybe eight months I mean, ago. Yeah, it's frustrating. Just, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Not even features. Okay. I just mean like basic stuff. Uh, like it just, I don't know, whatever. It would take. It would, I could go for hours probably. If you never, you would get me down that road. Like, like all the things I think are wrong with the Signal UI, but um. Excellent yeah. security framework, but all right, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I do have to yeah. keep in touch with certain people, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. It, it meets. It meets I, I, I learned about it through Gabe. Yeah, 
I have forced some people to use it. Like there are some people who I will only communicate. There are others that I will let slide, especially if they're on an iPhone, because, you know, we can at least get, you know, encrypted iChat. But there are others I'm like, yeah, no, if we're if we're talking, you need to you need to get over there. Yeah. 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 Nice. I'll take it. What is your favorite drink and has it changed since the pandemic started? It's definitely not changed since the pandemic started. Um, I'm just going to assume you meant alcoholic drink, which might say more about me than you. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I love good PD scotch. Um, and, uh, favorite, I mean, you know, who's your favorite kid, right? Like, it's so hard to pick like just one, like, you know, yeah. like, well, I, I think the, the one, the one I drink a lot of right now, I drink, I drink a lot of Calula. Um, which mm, is, uh, I was going to say, you know, and, and it's sort of a really good go-to, right? Like, yeah. you know, and it's, it's not, it's not obscenely expensive, it ain't cheap, but it ain't, it's not ex- obscenely mm. expensive. So, yeah. um, makes for a good, you know, drinking scotch. You, uh, you, you dabble with a little Lefroy too, yeah? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah. Anything, anything from the Isle region. On the, on the, yeah, one. and yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the, the Japanese stuff um, that's sort of yeah. inspired yeah, by decent. that as well. Sure. You know, I like, 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 I like the peatiness, right? The smoke. I love the peat. You know? The more peat, the better. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Good answer. And I, I wasn't uh, in particular with any kind of drink. Usually, I intend to make it an alcoholic drink because, I mean, what is someone going to say? I love water. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, I drink water all the time. Kombucha is great, but yes, it could be any kind of drink and nobody's judging. And if you are, shame on you. Snapple fruit punch. If I have, if it's a non-alcoholic drink, wow. which I don't, I don't get, I, I can't drink it too much anymore because obviously it is just like, you know. Diabetes in the can. Yes. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a nearly 50 year old man. Like I gotta be careful. Right. But, um, <laughs> But uh, hey, it's it's yeah, like anything punch. else though. You don't treat yourself every now and then. It's not going to kill you. That's it. like every now and then. Snapple for a punch. Sesame bagel. Oh, oh, okay. Stuff. All right. Good there stuff. it is. There it is. Good stuff. That <laughs> the also, morning that after is also a little the before. afternoon nap, like like creator. Like that will that oh, will yeah. have, that will cause an afternoon nap. Like just like <clears> there it is. Like, right, crash, right? Like it. Oh. Well, I got to ask this question because you're from Jersey. So, okay. what is your favorite kind of pizza? <sighs> I cannot have cow's milk. So, oh no! So I am very limited in not the kind of mother, pizza. Not your mother, not your milk. Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of. <laughs> Although no, goat's milk's fine. So it's not quite that. Um, no, if I couldn't have any dairy and therefore couldn't have ice cream, uh, well, I probably wouldn't be here. But um, it was just like, like without ice cream, there's no life, right? Like you know, I agree. Um, um, ice cream is by far the best. Uh, but like you know, so there is. Uh, a local place um, called Apitz, um, and they make this thing called the salsiccia. And what I do is I substitute goat cheese in, and basically it's just like this pie, red sauce, sausage, and dollops of goat cheese. Uh, it, I mean, yeah. It's I'm going to be honest. P- pizza, pizza to me is good crust and good sauce. Absolutely. I could eat. 100%. I could eat it without cheese, which is why I like margarita. Because it's not like just smothered in cheese, but the best part of the pizza is that soft, crispy part where the sauce and the crust yeah, I, meet. You know, I totally agree, actually. You know, it's like <laughs> I actually eat a great deal of cheeseless pizza because, like, at meetings, like, the default, right, has always been they bring in a couple pizza pies. So what I'll just do is I'll, you know, I never complain about it. I'll just, like, you know, take it. You know, yeah. every once in a while, you'll get somebody like, who left this big pile of cheese in the box? And I'm like, you know, I was being like, you know, like I left like, you know, cheese sanders. Yeah, exactly. It's just a uh, big, big, big old pile of cheese. Yeah. right? Uh. Actually, I've had some coworkers who knew this about me and who really liked the cheese. And they're like, oh, can I have a cheese? And like, <laughs> a little scraping cheese onto other slices. They'll double cheese, you know, like on their side. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's good. All right. I got one more for you. Sure. If uh, if there could be a movie about your life, what genre would it be, hmm. and who would star you? Ooh. Am, well, so is do do I do I want to like like who stars as me, or do I want to think it's an honest portrayal? Uh, 
<laughs> That's your the, choice. Spin the yarn you want to be spun, my man. <laughs> so it would definitely be a dramedy, right? Like, you know, like there, there'd have to be comedy in there. Um, and, you know, but, uh, but obviously everyone's got their own drama, too. If, if like, mm-hmm. I'm being super generous to myself, I'll give myself Ryan Reynolds. But if Ooh. I'm being honest, Brendan Fraser. Like, like today's Brendan Fraser. Like, uh, like, which, like, you know, I've, I've often been told that. I'm not sure if I've seen that before, but yeah, no, I, I see it. I, I see, see it, it now. Right yeah. Yeah, 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 it's right there. It's you right know there. what? Brendan Fraser is the man, number yeah. one. I agree. I don't know why. I love the dude. Like, but clearly, like, he, he's not quite as fit as Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> like, you know. Like, well, sure. I mean, yeah. Again, I, neither, I, I neither I'll tell you. you know? I have a nickel says that Brendan Fraser has more, um, he has more people of all of the sexes swooning over him than Ryan Reynolds does. Fact. Probably. Ryan Reynolds Ooh. probably has a huge fan base, but I bet hmm. you people are all over Brendan Fraser. I, I got a nickel sense. Well, because, yeah, they go back to his, like, the Mummy <sighs> series days. And, yeah, like, like uh, no, no like, choice uh, about it. Ryan Reynolds has a huge following, big fan base. Sure. But Brendan Fraser. People swoon over some Brendan Fraser. Uh, yeah, I would say Brendan Fraser is actually a more diverse actor. Ryan Look, Reynolds I got a man is crush a, on, on Brendan Fraser. Ryan Reynolds I, basically plays himself in, in Which yeah. is fine, and yeah. I like it. I've always liked him yeah. for that. That's yeah, yeah. And he brought my boy since Deadpool. Deadpool even, I, can't, I can't argue yeah. with, yeah, can't yeah, argue yeah, with yeah. his skills. So I Agreed. So I mean, like, good. I remember watching him in um, what was the college movie where he it was the where he he went to the university and it was just a, a silly funny comedy it was uh named national lampoons national yeah. lampoons uh he was he was the star of that movie yeah, it was yeah. like one of his first comedies i can't remember the which one it is but Ryan Reynolds. If, yeah if you haven't seen that one it's yeah. hysterical gotcha okay anyways um yeah Brendan Fraser, I think he's going to make a comeback anyways. He's, you know, I've heard he's been doing good on Doom Patrol. I didn't realize he'd been out of fashion. He, you know, he had, he had a, a, yeah. a bit of a pause in his career, for sure. But, uh, no, but, People but, wouldn't but cast Cameron, him. I think he had, Doom like, Patrol. yeah. He, he did an awesome job at Doom Patrol. Um, like, I've, I've actually really been enjoying that. One of, the, one of the few DC properties I've really been enjoying, actually. So mm. Yeah, there's not many of them, yeah. unfortunately. Well, there's a lot of them. There's not a lot I enjoy. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the place. They're just, yeah. not that good. I can apply that phrase to so many things. <laughs> oh, my so God. Many, many oh, no. oh, man. Look, Sander, Sander yeah. it's been an absolute hell of a pleasure. I'm glad to I finally get you. you on the show. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's an absolute joy. As Cameron mentioned, we have to get you back. We most certainly need, need to have you back on the show. Well, I mean, um, especially these days, you know where to find me. I'm not, uh, this is true. This is true. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> right. I, I know anywhere. what your wall looks like or whatever yeah, that is. Right. Yeah, no, that's what so. it is. It's, a real, it's the real thing. It's, that's, you know, I, don't, yeah. I don't do the virtual background <laughs> thing. So. Unless forced well, seriously, to. thank you. Unless forced to by marketing. Forced to, yeah. yeah. Thank you for taking the time to join us, and uh, we hope we hope our listeners enjoyed it. I'm sure they will. I think this is a really fun show, and uh, hope to have you back on. Yeah, I had fun Indeed. doing it. I'd, I'd love to come back. Thanks, guys. Yeah, right on. Appreciate Great. it. Thank you, sir. Cameron, take us out. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week, and to all of our amazing guests for coming on. I, I know that there are millions of other shows, and it means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together. Let's protect what matters most. And by the way, DJ, can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week. 